Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, true stories, and current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck-naked in summer. Welcome to episode 33 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom along with the rest of the crew, and we have something a little different this time. The holidays are a time to reflect on what we have and what we're grateful for. But for some of us, it's a time for hardship, and that's what we'll be talking about on this show. Poverty is all around us, but it's easy not to see it. This month, we'll be talking to Sherry Howes from the Mother's Cupboard, and we'll hear a first-hand account of their organization and all the good work they do. Rick and Dave will share their personal perspective on poverty in Brown County with a couple of poignant essays. And we have an interview with Pete Siebert, who will share his thoughts on living in Brown County. And we have an exciting interview with Keenan Rainwater, who has a new CD he's just released, taking his music in an entirely new direction. Gunther Flum adds some timely perspective, and we're introducing a new segment, For a Song with Carrie Ray. Kick back and roast some chestnuts while you're enjoying our figgy pudding edition of the Brown County Hour. We start the show with Keenan Rainwater. He shares his views on the new direction his music is taking, and we get to hear a few cuts from this new CD. We also have a conversation with Sherry Howes from Mother's Cupboard. This is Rick Fettig and Dave Seastrom, and we're here at our Brown County Hour studio with a good buddy of ours, Keenan Rainwater. Well, Keenan, I had the privilege to listen to your interview with Hondo, and uh, you were playing a lot of the tunes from your new album, and really exciting change of, in your direction of music. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty exciting for me. You know, when I was first planning this album, worked out a deal with Reverend Peyton to produce the album. One of the first things I asked him was, "How is this going to be different than our uh, Indiana Boys albums?" Because I wanted it to be a different thing. I wanted it to be its own separate entity and not just the same sound with a different name. And I had some songs that lent themselves to a more uh, doo-wop kind of style, like a '50s or '60s surf rock kind of thing. He had a lot of very exciting ideas. He told me all the right things to make me feel better about the whole thing. You know, all those flattering things like, "Oh, it's going to be all about your." voice man it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be about your harmonica playing too right and we all love uh, rev yeah oh dude he is uh he's an incredible guy his commitment to excellence is uh very inspiring and he's done a lot of things just in the short time that i've known him that have kind of really changed my life as far as guitar playing goes and as far as the way i look at you know what i do as an artist i mean it's meant the world to me to have him uh, play on the album and to produce the album and just to uh lend the encouragement with somebody uh, of his stature that's actually out in the world doing it full time and uh, is behind his, his art form 100% tells you that you ought to do that you kind of 
You know, oh yeah you listen you know well you had uh, quite a variety of uh, musicians on there didn't you yeah some of my favorite local friends and uh, and musicians i had a great pool of people to choose from as you guys know in brown county there's just uh, a huge base of talent as far as this album went i had to kind of be on point with the timing and the efficiency i had 40 hours to get in and get it done and the fewer people you use and have to coordinate the faster you can do things and uh, the easier it is to keep it organized so we pared it down to just you know basically the essentials picker dan bilger as a uh, lead man playing the mandolin or the electric guitar sometimes playing a 12 string he's very versatile guy my main man as far as this stuff is going he's really helping me keep the sound from the album and turn that into a live performance is what we're going to be rehearsing later this evening besides picker dan getting uh, ryan deasy to play stand-up bass uh, was a real uh, beneficial thing he's got a great mind for music and kind of steered some of the songs in a, in a direction that i thought really uh, transformed them into a finished product and not just kind of the rough version that i had besides his great bass playing Right. One of my favorite uh, female vocalists around here is Laura Warner. And you might know her from the Velours. She sang on our first two our Indiana Boys albums, mm. Muddy Boots and October Nights. She came in with very little uh, lead time and just you know, nailed things. And I just fell in love with her singing and her style because this, uh-huh. this music had to have a doo-wop girl. Uh-huh. And she just stayed in there karate kicking the air and uh, you know being excited nice. about life. <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. She also played the percussion, you know, either shaker or tambourine to lend it a more dancey feel. Yeah, yeah. some texture. Uh-huh. Some texture, yeah. yeah. So then besides uh, Laura, uh, we had uh, Sarah Kenny come in and play some uh, violin on one tune. We decided to uh, do a new take on a song called Indiana Holding You that we recorded on the This Modern World album last summer. You know, Rev actually played the rhythm guitar on it. He really formed the sound a lot while he's in the studio, as a good producer should. I just had to mind my business and do my part and play as a studio musician would in a lot of ways, and it uh, worked really well. But he decided that that song really needed a fiddle, and uh, Sarah Kenny was... Uh, gracious enough to come in. I've worked with her in the past. Played as Biscuits and Gravy for a while. She's a lot of fun. She came in and did a great job. And the last but not least would be Rev himself. Played uh, you know, on the song Harlan County, the only cover on the album that Dakota Curtis wrote. It's just uh, Rev and I. And Rev plays three instruments, like harmonica, nice. key bass, and uh, plays his resonator guitar as though it's three instruments by itself. <laughs> right? And then I play the rhythm guitar and I sing the song. And I just, I love how it came out. Between that, uh, I guess that's five people if I'm counting right. Well, I, I, I think know. you really achieved the departure that you were looking for. Yeah. You know, it's a I very different that. sound and it's a great sound and exciting sound. Well, thank you for saying so. It's really uh, inspired me to, to maybe uh, go out and tour a little bit. And uh, breaching the, my old model was to stay here. Wait a minute. And wait a minute. They allow you to here. leave Brown County? Well, once in a while, if I get permission. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you're always welcome to come back. So. <laughs> well, thank you. If you do become I intend world to. famous. I intend to. I mean, my model hasn't changed so much that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what, what success means. And I've, you know, contemplated everything from totally focusing on music to the exclusion of relationships and everything else. And uh, mm, The monk I've, approach then. Yeah, and then I said, no, I mean, like, I'd rather be uh, happy than successful or maybe uh, happily successful. And I think that model for me is to to tour regionally, maybe uh, put the music out there, see where it goes, maybe make a name for myself, but then bring that back here where my heart and my home is, help the local music community grow, maybe push that model that I had previously where people come here to hear the music. You know, it's already a tourist destination. We already have a lot of great things going on, and if if we can stay here and make our art and let the world come to us, so much the better. Well, the other thing I would throw out is that it's probably important to keep living your life so you have things to write about. Yeah, yeah, there's that. There is that. I started thinking about that. I'm not sure the monks... Uh, you know, <laughs> not a lot of great monk songs out there. Those, those Gregorian chants monk. are kind of, kind of boring. Really. Right. 
Right. I'd probably stay out of trouble if I were a monk, but I'm not. Well, you have a uh, printing coming up that you're anxious about and then uh, a release party. Right, right. So, uh, you know, speaking of the local community, I I printed up a hundred of these CDs as a friends and family limited edition thing. And it was kind of a, it was a a rush job to get ready for a party that I threw at my house. But now I'm hoping to press it up in a more professional manner, four panels with a six panel pullout booklet with the lyrics on it. I ran into an old friend of mine from high school, uh, Allison Austin. I was joking with her and she was talking about not being the president of the PTA anymore. I said, well, hey, how about you just uh, devote yourself to helping the local musical community out and maybe think about being my manager or something. And uh, one thing led to another. It turns out her husband, Adrian, is uh, something of a graphic designer. I ended up getting together with him, and uh, he's got some great ideas for logos and for the design of the album that's much more artistic than what I was coming up with. I'm not a graphic uh-huh. designer. So he's working on it. Tomorrow I'll go over there and check out the rough draft, and we'll get it underway. And it's all like it's all under the gun. Uh, the uh, album release party will be at Max's on the Square in Bloomington on December 13th. Tom Sobel's brain, that's uh, leader of the comedy caravan down in Louisville, and he's going to help me find a, the perfect committee median for this show and then I hope to uh, come up with a burlesque troupe so uh, we'll have a comedy act and a burlesque troupe and then music rather than the typical model that I find so often is music 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 uh-huh. I'd rather uh, be the icing on the cake of a variety show <laughs> a full show right? yeah. I don't want you know it's uh, somebody in there that's really great playing music and then I'm not going to stand out at so all. Uh, bur- burlesque you're all going to get naked and stuff or? well I'm not going to. I'm just oh, going to okay. watch everybody else get naked. oh okay all right <laughs> <laughs> no I think it's an art form you know as much right. as a you know uh, it has some elements of striptease in it maybe it's a, maybe a little racy but uh, uh, you know, it makes for a great show. Yeah, wow. There you go. You gotta have a great MC too, though. So I'm gonna try and put uh, Tim Baker on the spot. And if Tim's listening to this, Tim, uh, I think you're the greatest MC in the Tri County area, and you're probably gonna have to MC the show for me. There you go. Bear that in mind. December 13th, you're already booked, buddy. Well, Keenan, the uh, title of your album is "The River Flows." Yeah, and that's one of the songs. How'd that come about? Well, you know, I guess I uh, do a lot of canoeing locally, you know, on Bean Blossom Creek which uh, the creek that flows behind my parents' house uh, leads to the end of our road and it tees into another creek, which I believe is Bean Blossom Creek. And then uh, once you get there, you can float down past the Flower and Herb Barn and get yourself a snack, maybe a beer if you want one, and then keep floating down all the way to Bean Blossom where it crosses under 135 and jump out there or keep going down to Indian Hill and jump out there. Or you can go all the way to the porthole if you want to. Maybe go over to Dave's house close to Possum yeah, Trot yeah. right there. I've taken out at the end of Possum Trot before. Might even stop in and get a melon over there at Bud's. <laughs> Good do. Good do. Well, except for I like to do it in the springtime because the right. water's got to be up, see? Yeah. So that leads it's to a lot of... It's not canoeing if there isn't water. Right, exactly. There's just a lot of scraping bottom and you know, I've done that and that's no fun. That imagery and that symbolism kind of led into this song, which is more about the passage of time. There's definite parallel to the motion of water and the flow of water and seeing things, uh, you know, if you stand at the side of the stream, you can watch it pass by and let the river flow is kind of like saying, don't try and hold on too tight to it. Just kind of enjoy it as it's going along. Someday this all will seem a dream A shiny stone in a moving stream So make your memories and let them go Wash away, let the river flow Wash away, let the river flow
backwoods of our mind Blow the waters of another tide Yes, these currents we cannot rule We just lay back and let the river flow It's our privilege to be interviewing Sherry Howes, who is the Executive Director of Mother's Cupboard. Hi Sherry, so glad you could come in today. Thank you, glad to be here. Why don't we start out by uh, you explaining some of the history of Mother's Cupboard and what exactly you guys do. Well, it was founded in 1999 by a couple of local peoples out around Bean Blossom, Indiana. And it first started out just as being a soup kitchen because they saw the need for, you know, uh, some hot meals being served to some of the area uh, people around town. And then it grew from there. Then they decided to add uh, the pantry part to it, which is where you can pick up, you know, canned goods and dairy products and produce and things like that when it's available. And it's been growing and growing ever since. When they first started out, I was told that a busy night for them would be like maybe 40 meals. And now we're up to an average of 150 meals an evening. Wow. Uh, and again, this is no questions asked. You just walk in, 
You fill out a form that gives some pertinent information, and you get the food. Is that correct? Correct. We ask no questions. You have to show no, you know, identification cards or anything like that. No uh, income eligibility requirements. Just come in and tell us how many meals you need, and we box them up for you, and we strictly carry out. I understand that you guys have an exciting move coming up. You're going to be at the uh, fairgrounds and sharing some space with Habitat for Humanity. You want to talk about that? Yeah, we're very excited about that. I am, in particular, coming from a background where I was uh, used to having a much larger facility and kitchen to work in. Coming to Mother's Cupboard was definitely a learning curve for me. Habitat for Humanity is looking also for a facility where they can store their stuff. Like, you know, they're building supplies, plus they have to have a a little office, too, to keep up with their paperwork and, and administrative duties that they have. So they've been looking for a spot, too. And so they decided that, you know, what better, you know, uh, companionship it would make with Mother's Cupboard since we kind of basically, you know, service the community in both the same ways. So they decided that they would help us actually, you know, build the kitchen and then we're going to share a storage space with them and and they will have an office space and then we'll have a shared uh, community room. Excellent. You prepare 150 meals a day. 50,000 meals, like I said, that's was for our physical year June 13th, June 14th, and we're on track right now for probably surpassing that amount for our physical year in 2014-2015. Right now, as of yesterday, we had served 45,000 hot meals. So, like I said, we're going to surpass the 50,000 for our physical year. So the need is growing. The need is growing. It's, it's always going to be a need out there. And when people say that the economy, you know, when you watch TV and you watch the news, and especially now that we just had Black Friday and all that hoopla, you know, over holiday shopping and uh, people are spending more than they did last year and stuff. Well, that may sound good on paper and on TV and stuff, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty and look at, at the real people that we serve and the people that I see coming in every day, more and more people are in need. Whether they want to admit it or not, they're still, you know, you just need that little help sometimes to get over the hump and that's what Mother's Cupboard is there for. So if someone wants to get interested in your organization, if they want to participate, how can they get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me since I'm in and out is to call my cell phone number or you can call and leave a message at the cupboard. I'll get back with you because I'm usually there every morning around 1030 and stay till the cooks start arriving, which is around one o'clock. And then I'm in and out. What is that number? 929-9211. All right. What's the number for uh, Mother's Cupboard? 988-8038. So Sherry, how do points at our local IGA benefit you, and what can we do as Brown Countyans to make sure that our points are donated to your organization? Just whenever they ask you um, where you want your points donated to, you specify Mother's Cupboard. Just about, oh, every month or so, I go down and pick up checks from them that are made from the points that people donate to us. Sherry, 
Thank you so much for coming in. This has been Sherry Howes, the Executive Director of Mothers Covered. We'll be right back after station identification. Feel nurtured and encouraged as you begin or continue your yoga practice. Riverlight Yoga is Nashville, Indiana's only dedicated yoga space committed to your personal growth and healthy yoga practice. See riverlightyoga.com for full details. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Welcome back to Episode 33 of the Brown County Hour. We begin this segment with Rick's essay, Not a Free Ride. We're excited to bring you something we've been working on with Carrie Ray. She'll be sharing her thoughts on music in a segment called For a Song. Gunther Flum has a word or two about giving, and we'll listen to an interview with Pete Siebert. And we have some more great music from Keenan Rainwater. This is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour. I'd like to take a moment of your time. I've got two boys, and they have a couple friends that are brothers, and the brothers have a sister. The sister has some health problems, so they have to take her to Riley about once a month, I think, if I'm correct on that. And the boys are kind of off on their own, but in all this relationship, I got to know their dad pretty well. And he's a painter, and he's helped me paint for the last few years, and I can call on him, and the good thing about that is that's all he does, so he shows up with all his paint and ladders and everything, and I don't really have to worry about it. And he's always done quite a good job. The point I want to get to is, especially with the daughter being in bad health, they've been on several assistant programs. I don't want to mention any names, but he has anxiety issues, trying to be self-employed and working. It's always kind of hard to make ends meet. So he was working for a couple guys up north on a fairly frequent basis, and they'd always beat him down on his price. And because he needed the money, he felt like he needed to take the work for less than what he really could use. And not too long ago, he committed suicide. So for anybody out there that thinks it's a thinks it's a free ride when you're on government help, it's not. I mean, you might have the occasional surfer dude that wants to take advantage of the system, or you know, there are people who do that. But it's definitely not a joy for most people, and they don't like to be there. And being a father myself, <clears throat> you want to be the provider for your family. And then when that becomes difficult, and then you get behind, and you just can't catch up, and you can't catch up. Well, he made his choice, and I'll miss him.
a singer-songwriter living in Brown County, Indiana, and you've tuned in to the pilot segment of For a Song, a series designed to offer listeners this songwriter's take on the art and craft of songwriting. So let's start at the beginning. The process of songwriting begins long before there's a lyric, tune, or even seed of an idea in your pretty little head. The first step is finding what inspires you. Your muse, let's say. And if you're new to the pursuit, yours is likely being held in a dark, windowless little room in the tower of your mind, guarded by an evil ogre named self-judgment. And she needs your creative self to rescue her. This ogre has a quiver full of poisoned arrows he's been shooting at you for years. And he has minions. Like that girl or boy you liked in the sixth grade, who told you that your poem was stupid. And the third grade teacher, who said to pay attention to the math lesson instead of making those silly drawings in your notebook. Oh, and let's not forget the well-meaning family member who had that talk with you about responsibility and the importance of getting a real job. Think about it. With a little focus, you can remember the exact moment you decided it was uncool to be an artist of any kind. So the hard truth comes when you realize that it was you who hired the ogre in the first place to keep your muse locked away so she wouldn't get you into trouble. Don't believe me? Ask the average four-year-old if they are an artist, a dancer, or singer. Most will say yes to all of the above. Now ask the average teenager. At some point in time, the idea that performing verbal and visual creativity is a gift that we all possess and express in measure is replaced by a sort of creative class system a hierarchy of creative haves and have-nots. Well, I'm here to tell you that's rubbish. One of the first and most valuable steps you can take to free your muse is to storm the tower and take out that ogre. Now, I'd love to tell you that I did so all at once, just rip the band-aid off. But it wasn't that easy. See, I had been stifled by self-judgment most of my life. And there was still a part of me that was pulled by the reason I hired him in the first place, to keep me safe from myself. So I started by sneaking time with my muse when he wasn't looking. But like a new love affair, a little is never enough. And I became clear that he just had to go. I'd like to say I haven't seen him since, but he still comes around from time to time looking for work and needs to be reminded that his services are no longer necessary. Whatever your process, find ways to put self-judgment on vacation so that your creative self can have a play day with your muse. Like most things in life, it's simple but not easy and totally worth it. But be well advised, doing so can be the gateway drug to a fully expressed creative self. And once you cross that line, no pill of any color will take you back to before you knew you were an amazing creative being. Mm-hmm.
If you have ideas, questions, or topics you would like to have covered on For a Song, please send them along. You can reach me via the contact page of my website, carryray.com. That's C-A-R-I-R-A-Y.com. Thanks for listening. This is Abundance by Gunther Flum. Now this was in the days of yore, a long time from the day before, back when a king ruled all the land, controlling all with wave of hand, you go this way, you do that, controlling all from where he sat, and never once said thanks or please, as subjects came upon bended knees to ask if he could ease their pain from all the things he had to gain. Of course, he laughed right in their face and sent them home in full disgrace. For he, of course, did no such thing. He owned it all. He was the king. And then one time, to help a priest to build a church, he threw a feast and gave the money to his guest, but treated others like a pest and gave a pittance to the poor and not a cent or penny more. And as the party winded down, the priest got up without a sound and as he wandered to the door he gave the money to the poor he raised them up from bended knees he thanked each one and begged them please to use the money for the good of all throughout their neighborhood while on his throne the king was dazed at what had happened in his gaze the gift he gave that made him proud the priest had given to the crowd the king then ordered close the gate for with this priest I must debate, for never once did he say thanks for all the money from my banks that I gave him for him to take, money that he didn't make, and here he gives it all away in front of me this very day. So for a word he never said before me, he may lose his head. And so the priest, without a sound, before the gates then turned around, and as he got beside the king, he whispered, See, now here's the thing. Think of how you should behave for all your abundance that you gave. For though you know you have a lot, think of what they haven't got. It's you who should be on your knees, that you can give the things you please, from your abundance without greed to help them fix the things they need. For yes, it's true that all alone you sit up there upon your throne, but from your view so high above, it's those below that need your love. For though you sit here on your treasure, are you rich by every measure? What do you think your fortune's worth? To God who made this holy earth, where in your comfort at your ease, with kingly pride, you can't say please. The giver of the gift should know where please and thank you truly go. Why, the giver is the one who should be thankful. Yours truly, Gunther Flum. This is Pam Rader for the Brown County Hour, and I'm here with Pete Siebert. Hi, Hi Pete. Hi, Pam. Pete was one of our local characters <laughs> that we're famous for and has come back to visit for a, a brief time. I thought I'd interview you about some of your thoughts. And Appreciate that. Would you tell me a little about Jacob Brown, which was kind of an alter ego you created and used to tell stories around town? You could see in Brown County the stories of like Evade Martin captured in a phrase. Wanted to vote for the best man, but he never seemed to be a running. He could tell us a story in a single sentence. And I thought, a storyteller. And so this Jacob Brown came because, the name came because Jacob Brown was the founder of Brown County. And so I was identifying with this community and seeking my little piece of it. And to honor it, I've learned to, what you love 
what you focus on is what you become. And I love, become to love this, the earth, all of Brown County, the earth, its history, the current people and our hopes and pools. And Jacob Brown became a way for me to say what was going on within me and say, I'm a part of you, Brown County. So you're back for a brief visit. Yes. And I'm wondering if you have any reflections. Here's something, a piece of it, and we call Brown County Is, that I've been reflecting through the years and sharpening it up, hopefully. Brown County is more than blood and race and religion or gender. It's a pioneer spirit with an artist touch, a poet's song with a village atmosphere seeking to survive in a modern world, a place where fine folk art create daily, a place where poetry and music sing and laugh and dance deep in the heart of the Midwest, a place where art and history and the present still create our future now with a little international flavors creeping in around the edges. Brown County, a time and a place where people come to regain their balance, to review their marriage, to renew it, to dream again, a life or a family, maybe even a business. It's still done in the same coves and woods and hills and valleys created by the glaciers and lived in by natives millenniums ago. Now even in the concrete, the brick and the metal and the plastic, in the alleys and the streets, the parking lots and the bars and the churches and our homes, Salt Creek and her many forks, and Mother Earth and Father Sky guide and guard us. Our God calls us as we emerge as children and then live to adulthood and lay our bones down again, returning to the earth here in Peaceful Valley from which we came. Well, I'm kind of captivated by the sentiment there and other conversations we had about Brown County being a place of not just retreat and renewal, but actually escaping the pace of modern life. I think really that's what happened when the artist and the pioneers came here and the conservationist and mingled together along with this Abe Martin character or Ken Hubbard's work and created this artist colony. If you look at Brown County in context, historically at that time in America and even in the world, the Industrial Revolution was just the engine, the train, the car, the plane were all being created and modern art and they went that direction. But the Brown County and Brown County artists, not because merely of geography, although that's a part of it, a little some isolation, but on purpose said, I ain't buying into all that. There's something to the earth. There's something to history and ancient teachings in most every culture that can't be lost. And modern culture is looking so far to the future, it can lose its past and then repeat old mistakes and don't learn. But if you're going so fast and you don't believe in rear view mirrors, <laughs> you can go over the cliff and say, woo, you know, it's like getting hooked on speed, which we are as a culture. And so that's what I think Brown County is. I lived here and lived and walked here and talked and listened to the people and read the history and the poem and walked through the guild and the gallery and the streets and the studios of these I could name them, you know, I took people on tours. It, it became clear to me that like other cultures and history, 
They had what they call cities of refuge or sanctuary where you could get away and get perspective. And the artist and the people in Brown County said, well, pardon my friends, hell no, we won't go all the way. I want some of the modern stuff, but I don't want to lose the earth. I don't want to go so fast, I lose touch, not just with the earth, with myself or each other. You know what Jacob Brown's phrase was, and I did it often in the tours? Brown country is located on the edge of the village forest in that old Hoosier state of mind near the heart of the universe. And you find yourself there by slowing down, looking around, and lightening up. Thanks for cueing me in, Pam. Yeah, that's a perfect ending. You got okay, it. Okay, Pete. Good luck to you in all your right. future adventures. All right. Thank you. And the best to you and all my <laughs> friends and all you in here in Brown County. I love you. You birthed me in so many ways. Okay, this has been Pam Rader for the Brown County Hour. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're back with Keenan Rainwater. So this next tune, Oh My My, right. kind of provocative. Uh, mind telling us about that one? <laughs> Might be a reason why it's a little bit provocative. The song's actually about a few different relationships that I've had in the past. You know, not to tell too many tales on myself, but the first verse is kind of about interaction I had with my ex-wife. The second verse is uh, about a young lady that I did some canoeing with. Right. The third verse is about uh, my childhood sweetheart, Kate McGrail. You know, it tells a little bit of the story of going up into the fire tower at Hoosier National Forest and giving her a promise ring back in you know, early 2000s. And uh, you know, it's just uh, the whole concept is that uh, love is temporary. I've never found a perfect relationship, but they're not all bad. And uh, there's enjoyable things, and it's basically they uh, kind of come and go. You know, so the song's about some of the more memorable relationships I've had. Between a TV and a radio. My favorite music and a favorite show Full life, pocket, full pantry Living life comfortably We'd order pizza on a Friday night Little liquor, we would be little right We'd go to the driving show The happy place where the lovers go Me and you and a cooler beer It doesn't matter if the picture was clear
We'll be right back after station identification. Feel nurtured and encouraged as you begin or continue your yoga practice. Riverlight Yoga is Nashville, Indiana's only dedicated yoga space committed to your personal growth and healthy yoga practice. See riverlightyoga.com for full details. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. We begin this section with another essay from Dave Seastrom. Keenan Rainwater brings us more tunes from his new CD, and Rick Fettig shares his views on transition and cuisine. This is Dave Seastrom with the Brown County Hour. We've been talking about this show for months now. Poverty isn't an easy topic to address. We're surrounded by poverty, but few of us pay attention, probably because it makes us uncomfortable. Because so many of us live from one paycheck to the next, almost anyone could suddenly find themselves on the brink of disaster. In the spirit of the season, I thought I might share a personal story. It was a cold and very snowy day in December of 1978. I was newly self-employed at the time, and I had been expecting a check for some work I'd finished. The days went by and still no check came in the mail. Meanwhile, our refrigerator was almost empty and we had already eaten the beans and rice we kept in reserve. In desperation, I decided to go to the grocery to purchase some food with a check that I could only hope would clear by the time it made its way back to the bank. My wife, our little baby, and I needed this food. We were literally almost out. The snowstorm was raging as I pulled out of the drive and started off for Morgantown. Somewhere past Fruitdale, the fuel line froze and I drifted to the side of the road dead in the water. An overwhelming sensation of complete failure overtook me, and I stood out in the falling snow with tears in my eyes and wondered, what am I going to do? We were young and just getting started, and here I was, unable to feed my family, and now we didn't even have a car that ran. As I stared into the falling snow, someone in a pickup pulled over to see if I was alright. It turned out to be someone I knew, and I told him the story. He rummaged through his toolbox and found a bottle of rubbing alcohol and poured the contents into my gas tank. After letting it work for a minute, he suggested I try to start the car. After a few attempts, it miraculously fired up. I thanked him profusely and we went our separate ways. I went to the grocery and bought just enough staples to feed my family for a few more days. I wrote a check I could only hope would be good by the time they cashed it and drove home downtrodden and unsure of what the future might hold for our struggling family. I could see the disappointment in my wife's eyes and the sense of complete inadequacy washed over me as I questioned every choice I'd made that led us to this desperate situation. We were hard-working, honest people just trying to get by and try as I might, I just wasn't cutting it. 
We were chasing our dreams in Brown County, and it seems our hopes to homestead and become self-sufficient were slipping through our hands. At the time, our neighbors were living in a single wide across the road. Their family was also going through hard times. The trailer rented for $75 per month, and with their mother and father and some younger siblings and their own family, there were eight people living in a two-bedroom single wide heated by firewood. I knew they were struggling and that food stamps kept them from starvation. It seemed everywhere I looked, people were barely making it. And however bad I thought our situation was, our neighbors were far worse off. There's an element of pride in all of this. After all, this is the land of plenty. And if we don't have the basics, there must be something wrong with us. It's easy for the stigma of not being good enough to creep into your consciousness. And the mindset of being less than becomes part of your thinking. That afternoon, I waited for the mail. I worried that the check I wrote would bounce and then there'd be fees to pay to both the merchant and the bank. We couldn't afford to lose one penny from that check. When the rural carrier finally arrived, I ran to the mailbox and sure enough, there was the check. I scrambled back to Morgantown and made the deposit moments before the bank closed for the day. I didn't know it at the time, but this was our low point. We were most fortunate that our prospects only got better as time went on. Unfortunately, this was not true for our neighbors. They eventually lost their home, and I understood they were homeless for a period of time. I remember thinking, how could this happen? Sadly, beyond the view of most of us, it's happening every day. In Brown County, it isn't at all unusual for a prosperous family to be located next to folks who are struggling just to get by. Things are better now, but the long history of poverty in Brown County continues to be part of the story. Poverty isn't about character or personal integrity. It's about circumstances that could happen to anyone. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. And here we have Keenan Rainwater once more. So, no home without you. Sounds kind of romantic. Well, it's, that's what it is about music and art, is it means different things to different folks. So I thought that that might have some crossover feelings for people into a romantic area. But for me, that song was going through a divorce and a, and a custody dispute. And I'm remodeling my apartment at the same time. And I'm standing up there and I'm remodeling things. I'm doing all this work and I'm thinking, you know, what's the point without my daughter there? So it's like, uh, you know building a home, but it's not going to be any home without my daughter Ellie present. So it had uh, that's the meaning for me. But you know, even later in the song, uh, I might throw in a word that makes it sound more like a romantic situation, just in case there's somebody out there that'll relate to it more in that way. But for me, it's about my daughter.
give you something special It's not shiny but it's new Not rock of precious metal Just a kiss from me to you Just a kiss from me to you What's the sense of being happy There ain't no point in being blue What's the use of being homesick me There's no home without Keenan, thank you so much for coming in. We're huge fans here at the Brown County Hour, and it's been wonderful watching you ascend into the music world. So. <laughs> ascend sometimes feels like descending, but uh, oh, it's exciting. Well, ascending or not ascending, I think. <laughs> so there you have it. Sure. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me out here, and uh, you know, it's been a pleasure. It's uh, yeah. Really love watching your daughter dance. Ah, that girl, she pulls me out of my comfort zone, boy. Makes me want to go get some dancing lessons. Oh, and it's only just beginning. I hear that. This is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour. And I had a rather sad and mournful duty to perform this last week. It was already dead, so there was no taking of life, only the salvation and remains of something tall and straight and something that had provided food for life and sustenance. A friend had a rental property that had a dead persimmon tree in the backyard. I was asked to take it down before it came down, perhaps in a storm, on the garage. A tree is a tree by any name, but it's a tree. This tree was tall and straight. All of its long dead branches had already lost their tips and ends, and at best were 10-foot stumps brittle and lifeless. I remember as a child driving down the back roads of Jackson County looking for fence rows with a few precious persimmon trees still producing fruit. It seems they would always grow in clusters of four to five trees along the fence rows between the cornfields. Usually some fruit left in the trees but the sweetest persimmons were those that had fallen to the ground. We would take buckets and see how much we could gather, unlike the mushroom hunters that attempt to fill grocery bags full. Now that I recall, it was quite a chore to mush the persimmons through the colander and separate the seed and skin from the pulp fruit. The preparation of persimmon pudding is still a mystery to me because I was too young to understand, but my grandmother was the best at making persimmon pudding. She lived through the Depression, had eight children, my mother, and seven boys, and she lived to the age of 96. I remember fried chicken, fried squirrel and rabbit that my uncles would bring in, zucchini bread, and persimmon pudding. It was soft, moist, and sweet, a taste that can never be described, but can never be forgotten. If you got a piece from along the edge of the pan, it was extra special, extra chewy, and you could savor it just a little bit longer. So the tree, I hated to see it go, but it was already gone. The persimmon, is it endangered species or fruit? I'm not sure I've ever seen any on the supermarket shelf. It's a local fruit, shouldn't it be especially good for us? Well, we cut the tree down and split it into firewood. I've never heard of any persimmon tables or chairs, so hopefully it will keep my hearth as warm and cozy as grandma's persimmon pudding made me feel warm and cared for by a woman who had a great capacity for love. This is Jeff Foster. 
And to wind up our December 2014 episode, we thought we'd dip into the Brown County Hour archives and reprise a tune from our first holiday episode way back in December 2010. Here is yours truly on guitar and my bandmate Frank Jones singing our version of that timeless holiday tune, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, written by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine. A merry little Christmas Let your hearts be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the yuletide gay From now on Thanks for tuning in to episode 33 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. You can stream this or any of our shows from our website, browncountyhour.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our Woodwatch page, devoted to informing the public about the situation our forest lands are facing. 
This show was produced by Jeff Foster, Pam Reader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, and Dave Seastrom. Here's a wink and a hat tip to Slats Clue for our theme music. Happy holidays from the Brown County Hour crew. listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County Oh